Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, through our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. The text for our meditation this morning is the Old Testament lesson, Jeremiah chapter 26, verses 8 through 15. We read in the Lord's name. When Jeremiah had finished saying everything the Lord had commanded him to say to all the people, then the priests, the prophets, and all the people seized him and said, You must die. Why do you prophesy in the name of the Lord that this house will be like Shiloh and that this city will be desolate with no one living here? All the people crowded around Jeremiah in the house of the Lord. When the officials of Judah heard about these things, they came up from the king's house to the house of the Lord and sat in the entrance of the new gate of the Lord's house. Then the priests and the prophets said to the officials and to all the people, This man deserves a sentence of death because he has been prophesying against this city as you heard with your own ears. Then Jeremiah said to the officials and to all the people, The Lord sent me to prophesy against this house and against this city all the things that you have heard. Now reform your ways and your actions and obey the Lord your God. Then the Lord will relent and not bring about the disaster he has pronounced against you. But as for me, look, I am in your hands. Do with me whatever seems good and right in your eyes. But you can be certain of this. If you put me to death, you will bring innocent blood on yourselves and on this city and on those who live here. For it is true the Lord has sent me to you to speak all these words in your hearing. So far our text. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, sanctify us through the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. In Jesus the Christ, dear fellow redeemed. Pastor Green was arrested for hate speech against homosexuals on July 5th, 2004 for comments that he made during a sermon in 2003. If I understand it correctly, no one that heard the original sermon was offended, but it was out there on the internet. People found it, made complaints. He was arrested. In July 5th, excuse me, in 2018, Pastor Josh Williamson was arrested for preaching too loudly in the city of Perth, Scotland. There were buskers on the same street as him with amplified music, but complaints were made, and so he was arrested for disturbing the peace. Then, Luweli Elisami was arrested in North London in 2019 for Islamophobic comments. And then latest for us is Pastor John Sherwood, again in London, was arrested for homophobic comments 
because he was preaching on the book of Genesis that marriage is between one man and one woman. Three of these people were actually street peach preachers. Maybe that would make us uncomfortable. It's not our normal way of operation. But they were all arrested for preaching God's word. The number of pastors that are being arrested for doing that is increasing in our world. These are from Europe and Scandinavia, but pastors in Australia, in Canada, have been arrested for similar things. Is the day coming when pastors in the United States will be arrested for these things? Though these are street preachers, or at least, except for the first one, it's actually probably similar to what Jeremiah was doing. He was commanded by God God to go into the courtyard of the temple. And as people were traveling to and from the temple for their worship, for their sacrifices... Jeremiah was specifically commanded to speak the words that God had given to him to speak to everyone traveling by. You could say he was a bit of a street preacher. And the response that he got was that the priests and the prophets and the crowd seized him and they wanted to kill him. But when the rulers down in the palace heard about it, they came up to the temple and they sat at what is the new gate. We actually don't know what part of the temple that was. But it was obviously a place where judgment would be pronounced, where the rulers would hear cases and there would be a judgment decreed. And so rather than just mob rule, It actually went to the rulers. What was the charge against Jeremiah? It was really that he was speaking God's message. The message that God had spoken to him. The people didn't like it. But he spoke it anyway. We speak God's message. Even when the message is unwelcome, so that God's mercy may be received. So Jeremiah was in the hands of the crowd for his message. What was that message? It was really a message of doom and gloom. Jeremiah earlier in, I think it's chapter 7, He's already prophesied that the temple is going to be destroyed, that it'll be like Shiloh. And that, maybe you don't know that story, but for a while, the Ark of the Covenant was at Shiloh. And the Philistines came, attacked, and took it away. And so with that use of the word Shiloh, there's this threat that God's presence is going to be taken away. 
And so the temple would be destroyed, God's presence gone. Here in 26, Jeremiah includes that not only is the temple going to be destroyed, but the city is going to be destroyed. So through Jeremiah, God was warning the people with this message we might say of doom and gloom that something's going to happen. The people didn't like hearing that their city was going to be destroyed. And notice who in the crowd or in the people who is involved. The priests, the prophets, and then the crowd. So you might say that the people most intimately connected with the temple and carrying out God's word, then the prophets who were responsible for teaching God's word, they're the, the primary instigators against Jeremiah. They've rejected this message of warning that Jeremiah has given them. And so they want to take matters into their own hand. They want to kill Jeremiah. They had done that before. In fact, just recently to this event, there had been a prophet that came with the same message that Jeremiah did, and he fled to Egypt. The king Jehoiakim sent four men to Egypt to bring him back so he could be killed by the sword because of his message that Jerusalem would be destroyed. So the people did not welcome Jeremiah's message. Why? Well, you could say they wanted to hear lies instead of the truth. They would have preferred that Jeremiah prophesied good things for Jerusalem, good things for the people. God loves you. Just keep on doing what you're doing. They would have preferred him to speak lies than give the truth, the true message that God has given to him, had given to him. But maybe it's also that they love their sinful ways. Jeremiah's message wasn't just, this is what's going to happen. No, he said, this is what's going to happen, so reform your ways, change. And the people didn't want to change. They wanted to keep their sinful ways. Is that crowd really any different than you and me? Are there parts of God's word that, that chafe against you? Parts of your life that you don't want to submit to God's rule, God's judgment. Now, there, there could be people here that are struggling with homosexual thoughts. Okay. There are people here that may be struggling with sins that we would probably think impossible. Okay. But are there much more subtle sins 
that you're struggling with? Are you holding a grudge against someone? Maybe they have mistreated you. Maybe you're justified in these feelings of hurt. But God says you're to forgive them. Not forgive them if they ask, but the attitude of your heart towards that person is to be one of love and forgiveness. That's a hard teaching. I like to hold on to the hurts that I've received. It's a hard teaching to hear You've got to change your heart and and forgive them. There are other hard teachings. Maybe in our society we, we chafe against the role of men and women in the church and in marriage. I know it can be real difficult for Christian women in the church where God has given the men the leadership and responsibility and they, they see the men taking their sweet time to get things done or not getting them done. And Christian women can think, oh, if only I could do that, I would get it done. But God says it's not your responsibility. That's a hard teaching. What about in, in marriage? No, not wives submit to your husbands, but husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's a hard teaching. That husbands are commanded to love their wives in a sacrificial way, to even be willing to die for them. And as proof of how hard that teaching is, in, in my time as pastor, I've taught the roles of men and women in marriage, even to unbelievers okay, who want to get married. I have never had a woman stop the course. But I have had men say, no, we're not doing this any longer. It is a hard teaching for husbands to love their wives sacrificially. But that's what God's word commands. To go against any of those teachings is to rebel against God. And he warns us of the consequence of those sins. And the final thing that this this text shows us maybe about ourselves and our weakness is our willingness to speak God's word when the message is unwelcome. It may be to our spouse, but we don't want to do it because we don't want to upset them. It may be to our kids. We don't want to share the truth of God's word with them because we're afraid we'll lose that relationship. Or what about our neighbor? Are we willing 
to suffer their, their anger if they don't like what we tell them about what the Bible says. Jeremiah faced death for speaking the message God had given to him. The day may come when you may face death for the message that God has given you to speak. See, it's not just prophets. It's, it's not just preachers. In 1 Peter chapter 2, it says, but you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. God has given you the message to speak to. So we speak it. But we don't just speak it to condemn people. We don't speak it just to make sure that they know that they're wrong and we're right. That certainly isn't why God sent Jeremiah. In fact, in verse 2 and 3 of this chapter 26, God explains why he sent Jeremiah. This is what he said. This is what the Lord says. Stand in the courtyard of the Lord's house and speak to the people from the cities and towns of Judah who have come to worship at the house of the Lord. Tell them everything I have commanded you to tell them. Do not hold back a single word. Maybe they will listen and everyone will turn from his evil way. Then I will relent and not bring about the disaster I was planning because of the evil things they have done. God doesn't proclaim his law to you just to condemn you. He doesn't proclaim it to, to make you feel bad about the way you have lived. Though that's what it does. His purpose is that his mercy would be received. There is a real threat with God's law. But God wants us to respond in repentance, to reform our ways, to turn from our sin, and to turn back to Him so that He can have mercy on us, so that He can relent. That word mercy is really interesting because it, what it means is that you're not going to be treated as you could be. To have mercy on someone is to not treat them as you could. I think a clear illustration of that is like two brothers, you know, one, the nine-year-old and the four-year-old brother wrestling. And the nine-year-old brother pins the four-year-old down and starts tickling him. Okay. What does the four-year-old call for? Mercy. Don't treat me as you can. Stop tickling me. Okay. That's a picture of how God chooses to treat you. Because of your sins, he shouldn't be tickling you. You, like all people, should be suffering eternally. But God relents. 
and he has mercy. And a holy, righteous God can have mercy on sinners like you and me because God did not hold back when it came to Jesus. Jesus was in Jerusalem. The mob wanted to kill him and God let them have their way with him. They nailed him to the cross. But it wasn't just mankind's action. It was God's action. God was treating Jesus as you and I deserve. God was placing the guilt of our sins on Jesus and making him suffer in our place. And God did not hold back. God made sure that Jesus suffered the full consequence of all of your sins. So much so that Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There we see the soul-persecuting, wrenching suffering that Jesus went through because of our sins. And at the end of his suffering, he cried for the whole world to hear, yes, for you too. It is finished. The suffering that Jesus went, underwent is sufficient to cover all of your sins so that now God relents towards you. He is satisfied with Jesus' suffering. And so now he's merciful toward you. He loves you and forgives you of all your sins, whether they're outward sins or inward sins, thoughts of uh, sins of thought, word, and deed. They're all forgiven. That's most of all what God wants you to hear. That's why he sent the prophets. That's why he sends pastors and teachers. So that you can hear that he loves you and forgives you. And he made Jesus suffer for you. But that's also why God sends you. Because there are people in your life that are, are racked with pain over their sinful choices. They don't know that God loves them. They don't know that Jesus has suffered and died for them. So God sends you to speak his message, his message of love and forgiveness. The day may come when speaking that message of love causes you to be arrested, causes you even to be killed. But we cannot help but speak of the things we have seen and heard. May God give us courage to stand up and boldly speak the message he has given us so that others too can know that Jesus is their savior from sin. In his name, amen.
please stand for the blessing. And now may the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus until life everlasting. Amen.